Good afternoon. We are live on the Maze and Blue Review. Good afternoon, Michigan football, along with former Wolverine Jerry Diario. You see him on the screen. If you are watching, I'm Dennis Fithy and Jerry. Great Friday to you. How are you? Great to be a Michigan Wolverine, Denny. Um, fantastic. Uh, you know, I had a little issue uh, coming out of Houston out of the uh, game, but uh, everything seems uh, well now. Everything's uh, moving uh, naturally and uh, positively. Well, that's what we like to hear. Uh, the, other than that, you know, uh, your your trip to Houston and watching everything that transpired there pretty good, though. We talked with you right after the game for a few minutes. You seem like you're in a pretty good mood. Yeah, it, it was um, really, Denny, I, I didn't really have any issue until probably about four or five in the morning. And then it just hit. And uh, if you ever had a gallbladder issue, uh, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, no, it was um, great atmosphere, uh, great setting. I still prefer the uh, Rolls Bowl the way that was, uh, as far as the settings are concerned. I, I would, you know, that I, I would think that that would be something that needs to be talked about. That Rolls Bowl experience was outstanding. But the national championship game, um, great game. I think there were a couple times where we could have really uh, put the final nails in the coffin earlier, but uh, oh well. Yeah, it turned out all right. So <laughs> we'll. Uh, I'll agree on Absolutely. that part. We got Absolutely. lots of things to talk about when it comes to Michigan football. Part of uh, that is Sharon Moore, who could be, heck, as soon as this weekend, be the next Michigan football coach. We don't know right now, uh, but we do know that there will be an upcoming season. And so everything that involves an upcoming season in the offseason, you know, spring ball, the summer phase, I guess what we're in right now, the winter phase. Uh, we'll get to some of those things, see where Jerry's at with them. We'll start with uh, what is on everyone's mind, and that is Jim Harbaugh. Now, Jerry Harbaugh interviewed with the Chargers on Monday and the Falcons on Tuesday, and now there have been a few others that have interviewed with Chargers, and heading into this weekend, the Chargers are going to have more interviews. So while we are, I think, hoping that this gets done sooner rather than later, we're still kind of just uh, letting this play out and and see if uh, if Harbaugh returns to Michigan or if he goes to the NFL. I mean, how, how are you thinking about this? Denny, we were talking uh, just before the show and you mentioned, I think it was Amazing Blue um, magazine or, or who uh, I'm not sure who it was, but um you were mentioning that they were talking about several sources saying Harbaugh is having the same issue at San Diego that he had at Minnesota last year. Correct me if I'm wrong so far. Yeah, maybe that was it. Like that that could that could be a snag. It was you know it, it's weird because. Uh, you know, this year, Minnesota was actually two years ago. So, I mean, it's, you know, I, I you know how it goes. But, yeah, but but maybe, maybe Harbaugh went in there. You know, people trying to get a feel for the interview. I've heard that, you know, somebody that I talked with said, you know, they heard that the interview went really well. Uh, but hearing that, you know, Harbaugh could have gone in there and things may have not gone, you know, the fantastic Grand Slam. You know, that would not be a surprise uh, to me, knowing Jim Harbaugh, you know, depending on who was sitting in there. And, you know, anything, you know, really anything that was said coming out of there, I'd be like, oh, I can see that, you know, like, so, you know, that's where we're sitting right now. And, and the other thing we talked about, Denny, is um, Jim Harbaugh wants to be wooed. He wants to be wild. He wants to be, you know, red carpeted. It, it, pretty, pretty accurate, correct? Why wouldn't you be? If you're Jim Harbaugh, why wouldn't you be? I mean, look at where he's at right now. He's at the University of Michigan. All board of regents are on deck supporting him. The president of the university is supporting him. Uh, the fan base, um, the players love him. I, I don't see how you improve that situation if you're Jim Harbaugh um, going, you know, going to the pros. You're going to have – if you want Jim Harbaugh right now, I think you're going to have to – wow him. You're going to have to woo him. You're going to have to tell him, yeah, the red carpet is here. You, you've got carte blanche. And, and um, yeah, you know, well, Jerry, if, if an owner or a GM got a hold of me and said, Hey, could I talk with you for a minute or two about Jim Harbaugh? And they said, 
what do you think he's going to be looking for heading into this? Do you, you have any ideas? And I'd say, yeah, I got a lot of ideas. You know, I, I followed him at Michigan, you know, through his playing career in the NFL, the San Diego to Stanford to the NFL in the nine years at Michigan. What Jim Harbaugh, number one, is all about is winning and trying to do everything every day and keep no stone unturned to that end. Everybody that's working for him, he wants to be, you know, rowing in the same direction. Everybody under the roof all has the same focus. That is what is going to be most important. You want to talk money. You want to talk about interviews, how he relates with the media, you know, the fans. I would put all of that over here. And I would just talk about the single mindedness of trying to win. If you wanted to get Jim Harbaugh as your next head coach. Now, I don't know who those guys talk with and, and what kind of responses they got when they did talk with people, if they reached out, you know, to see, I don't know if that's obvious to everyone. You know, people always say all kinds of things about Jim. Well, he's really quirky and, you know, he'll start talking about chickens and, you know, he does do all those things, but I'm telling you that that is going to be the essence of a sit down. If you're in a meeting and you're trying to get to the brass tacks of things with Jim Harbaugh and know what makes him tick. That's what it is. That's it's not about talking about anything else. You can you can flower it up with uh, you know talking about his players and you know you like Bo. All of those things are great, and he will talk about all those. But you need to talk about how you're going to win, and is everybody on the same page? And let me throw one more caveat in there, Denny. And I'm not trying to sound like. Jim is uh, just a tremendous egomaniac or anything. One other caveat is he wants to do it. He wants to win, first and foremost, his way. He feels he has the best formula. When you look at uh, the University of Michigan, I think Michigan right now is is sending a message to the entire uh, uh, National Collegiate Football Association that um, good old, old school football still exists and can still win football games. Um, Jim Harbaugh puts an emphasis on tight ends. He puts an emphasis on athletic, quick, strong offensive linemen and running backs that that complement one another, and phenomenal defense. And and so Jim Harbaugh, he knows what he wants. He knows how he's going to get it. And I don't think Jim Harbaugh wants a lot of people telling him to, uh, uh, um, excuse me, change, and, and you need to do it this way, and you need to do that. And No, I think Jim Harbaugh, yes, I agree, Denny. He wants to win, first and foremost. He wants to dominate, first and foremost. And he wants it his way because he knows his way works. And I think that is a uh, um, – that's going to be a bottleneck. I agree with that. I think when he came into Michigan, he had his ideas and he tried to do all these things. And then it, it seemed like it kind of plateaued, I think, right after the the uh, the spot down there at Ohio State. You know, so that was in the second year. Then it kind of plateaued. And I think he did give up some control. Let's try some. You know, let's try speed and speed. You know, tried some different things. But then 2020 after that, he said, no, you know what? If I'm going down, I'm going down the way I want to go down. And then, you know, it worked for him. Let's answer some of these questions. Mark is asking who leaked the terms of Harbaugh's new contract. Hard to believe Harbaugh did it. Is leaking responsible? And the Michigan administrators have three panel protection. So why not Jim Harbaugh? Well, I'll answer some of this, Jerry. You can you can come in at any point. I would say at different points, both sides have leaked things about this contract. Jim Harbaugh wanting protection, you know, right now all Michigan fans are behind Jim Harbaugh. So if there's a snag in the contract, Jim Harbaugh's uh, side will be able to come out and say, look, this is what he wants. Uh, You know, so I would say that was Harbaugh's side. About a month ago when the season was going on and there was a leak like, you know, Michigan has got a contract and it's sitting there and it's ready. And, you know, that was the administration. Uh, that was Ward Manuel's office leaking that. Uh, I thought that was pretty easy to to follow. Is it responsible? It's part of the game. It's part of negotiations. Uh, you know that's that's how it's played. You know each side uh, will use the media when they feel like uh, it's for their best interest. So 
uh, this three panel protection, you know, should Harbaugh have the protection? Should Michigan have the protection when it's coming down to that? I don't know how much of that, that you followed there, uh, Jerry, but you know, Michigan's in a position where, you know, with Jim Harbaugh wanting this protection, I don't think Michigan's in a great spot to say, no, 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 you know, we're not giving you this protection. You know, you're, you're either with them or you're against them when it comes down to this. Well, yeah, I agree with you totally, Denny, that um, this is a two-sided out-front media negotiation. I think uh, Harbs, is, uh, his team has leaked some information. I think the university has leaked some information. So, yeah, this is a uh, kind of a public negotiation between the two, which, you know, that, that happens. I mean, that's um, all fair. Um, as far as the administrative uh, three-panel protection, First of all, it's unfortunate that we're here because remember, at the end of the day, these are shallow at best um, negotiate or um, um, investigations. I mean, they're, they're, uh, the NCAA came out and said there was no uh, advantage that Michigan got in their uh, in their win for in their their quest for the national championship after the game. So. Even the NCAA is saying there's there was no advantage, there was no super advantage, and if anything, Michigan paid a price because remember everybody in the country at the level of Michigan has that department of decoding. Everybody has it because it's legal. Now, the gray area, okay. Um, you know what they say about gray areas? There, 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 there. You're not guilty in gray areas. Um, but it's unfortunate that we have to have this kind of negotiation because of these shallow investigations. Um, Jim Harbaugh granting that uh, protection. I like it. I think he should be given the protection. I, I, I think it's a, it's an opportunity to uh, really go out there and uh, promote what he, he truly wants, which is revenue sharing for the players. And, and so I, I would think more coaches would be there with them. Yeah, I would look at it like this. I, I think I would appreciate if I was working, I don't know, for Ward Manual or if I was a regent or, you know, thinking about we have to protect ourselves. Like we, we just can't be going hog wild, can we? And I would say, look, you know, if being responsible, you know, with money and everything else, it, it's really easy for me to say, yeah, go ahead. You know, he's worth 200 million a year anyways or what he's bringing in and, and, you know, what he's able to do for the football program and filling that stadium up, he might be worth more than that. So, you know, that contract, I mean, those are the things that they have to talk about. Like, and you are, are believing him to a point and then you are also, you know, trying to protect yourself. But in the end, you got to say, how much is he really worth, you know, to this, uh, to this university and he's worth all of that. I mean, if they're giving him, you know, you're coming down there saying, wow, well, if we're going to be on the hook for a hundred million, if the NCAA comes over the top or something, well, you know, that's the price of doing business right now. And I would say, you know, this isn't some shot in the dark with somebody that you're trying to bring in. This is somebody that's proven. This is somebody that you know that you have talked with about these situations and you might feel the same as Jerry, you know, like when they're, we're like, yeah, boy, they really got us for nothing. And yet, you know, are, are they going to come back at us? So I think all of those things, uh, but the biggest thing is I know they got to re be responsible, but they have to look themselves in the mirror and say, Hey, how much is he really worth? And he is worth it. And, and, not, and not to mention, Denny, we, he's already, we've already proven we can work through this situation. So what the NCAA is doing is basically trying to replay last year. And so, my opinion, we've already worked through this kind of stuff. I think uh, Jim and the rest of the staff is, you know, they've deserved to uh, move on. All right. Uh, here are the, I like how this has worked here because these are both in terms of feedback, the, the battling opinions of Michigan fans. And this is where they at. Uh, this is where they're at. You're either in one of these categories. Steve says Ward Manuel is the reason for the NFL tour for Jim. He may be right. There's plenty of people that believe that, that Ward won't put in that protection, uh, won't get fully behind Jim Harbaugh, is looking to be responsible with uh, with Michigan's money. And, you know, that's why uh, Harbaugh is doing this NFL tour. Meanwhile, OT 
says Jim Harbaugh is the reason for the NFL tour. He wants a Super Bowl. So it's one of those uh, uh, two things that's going on. Now, you mentioned Amazing Blue Review and our publisher, Josh Henschke. Here is uh, what he is saying. It's not an unfair ask, but contract language is important. I can understand Michigan not wanting to screw themselves. That's from the very top. Now, uh, there we are. This is where we're at with this. Is, uh, Josh saying that uh, that I nailed it. So, uh, well, thanks, Josh. It's nice to hear once in a while me hit the nail on the head. But, you know, that's where we're at with this. If it really is, you know, I had somebody, Jerry, tell me yesterday, he's like, Get, don't, don't focus on the money. Don't focus on the money. You know, they were talking about the endowment. And I said, well, you know, billions of dollars, that's not for – athletics or, or borrowing against. And he said, yeah, but Michigan's got money when it comes down to this uh, more than anybody out there. So don't focus in on, on the money. And yet you have like, I don't have a lot of money, Jerry, but when I talk with people that have a lot of money, they have a lot of money because they, they follow certain rules and, and do certain things and put certain protections in. So, but I don't know if it's an at the end of the day type thing. You really have to think about his value. Uh, and the the risk that goes along with that. You know, we won a national title in 97 and before that 48. So here's our head coach uh, with a national title in, in, in eight years. And so I think he deserves every opportunity to come back. And if that means giving him some sort of protection, um, Against the NCA, I say we've already done it, I and, and we can do it. We've proven we can do it, and I say go for it because again, at the end of the day, they're shallow. They're shallow investigations, and we don't know where the NCA is heading, anyways. We don't. So, I want to say this to everyone. You know, Josh is working hard right now. I'm surprised he's able even uh, to to take in a couple minutes of the the show today because he's on the phone endlessly talking with people about what's going on, not only in Ann Arbor, but now he's got to reach out his tentacles to Washington, to Atlanta, to LA. And if you like this kind of discussion, this is what's going on all the time. All I can say people like, I don't like the discussion. There's other things there as well, but all day, all night talk, speculation news on Jim Harbaugh and his uh, situation. You want that? Well, that's where partly you could join in and say, yeah, the Maze and Blue Review is for me. I'm saying join up with the Maze and Blue Review today by going to michigan.rivals.com. It's just Michigan discussion. This is top of mind right now, what Jerry and I are talking about. But, you know, you want to look at quarterback recruiting, Julian saying, decommitting, and all how everything's going to work behind the scenes and what Michigan's doing but their philosophy with Harbaugh, if it's going to be Sharon Moore in recruiting and the transfer portal, what 2024 will look like. Those are the kind of things that are being discussed all day, all night. We just give you a little taste here on the Good Afternoon Michigan football program. So with that, uh, Jerry, we have um, too many Michigan shows. I'll let this, there's too many Michigan shows. And well, Shady, you know, you know, that's a doing. good thing. That's a good problem to have. You know, if, if you, if there's too much Michigan content, what I say you do is you pick the one you like the most. And that's the one that you, you know, you, you don't, you know, don't have too many masters, just, you know, go with the one that you feel like is uh, the best. So Jerry, Sharon Moore, if Jim Harbaugh, we find out right now, is going to be named the next head coach of the L.A. Chargers. Again, this is just me making this hypothetical. I don't want that to happen, everyone. The best thing for Michigan football is for Jim Harbaugh to come back and, and sign with Michigan. And for the next five to ten years, I believe that Michigan could be in this same situation, if not once, even multiple times in terms of having a parade. So, yeah, I want Jim Harbaugh to come back. I know this is not the most fun thing. The January, January Jim, is that no, what I read not, on the last post? January yeah, Jim, it's not the most fun, but 
even two years ago when it looked like he was uh, this close to being gone to Minnesota, the secession plan uh, was in that Sharon Moore was going to be named the next head coach. And that's the way it's looked for a while. And if we found out, like I said, that he was gone to LA now, it would be expected that Sharon Moore would be the next head coach. Now, there have been people saying, well, what about a national search? What about others? And then there's also been, it has been mentioned that, well, wouldn't Sharon Moore be like Ryan Day? Wouldn't he be in a third base type situation that was used? What are your thoughts there? Well, Denny, um, a lot of people want to sit there and say that we need a coach with some coaching experience. Uh, we should put it out there nationally and, and, and get the best hire possible in, in that situation with uh, uh, coaching background. And, and I totally respect that opinion. There, there's you know nothing wrong with that opinion and, and, and very valid, very valid. This is a unique situation, however. You've got a guy who's proven that he can come down the stretch Win those three big games, bang, 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 with all kinds of controversy and and um, uh, just problems all over the place. Just trying to keep those kids focused. I I kind of have that feeling. Sharon Moore has the right, or has earned the right, to be the next Michigan head coach if Jim Harbaugh leaves. I, I you know I understand the valid issues and the valid arguments. For, the other side has. I just, I think it's going to be a real hard sell not to have. And, and, and I'm not afraid of the reaction and the pub, you know, the public reaction, the fan base. I'm, that that's we want the best head coach. But at the end of the day, he's done some pretty good things as far as proving himself. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of these things. I don't, I don't think there's uh, one correct answer. Every situation is different. I remember growing up when Jimmy Johnson took the Dallas Cowboys and, and won some Super Bowls, and then he, you know, he didn't get along with Jerry Jones. And then Barry Switzer went in there, and Barry Switzer won the next year. And now he said, I could win with Barry Switzer. I mean, this is a joke. Like the team's in place. He doesn't have to do anything. It was like, okay, that he had, he actually was one of those third base, even closer to home than third base. But, uh, you know, I look at the, who are the very top college football coaches right now. And besides Jim Harbaugh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you know, earned it by going to San Diego. Then he went to Stanford. Then he went to the pro. So there was no third base situation with Jim Harbaugh. But I look, you know, like Jerry Kirby Smart, you know, before, you know, he's won two straight national championships before this. He was um, the defensive coordinator for Alabama. And Georgia said, let's hire him. He had no head coaching experience. That was a great hire. That was not a third base situation. Dabo Sweeney, who went to Alabama, then went to Clemson as a wide receivers coach and just worked up the ladder to offensive coordinator to head coach. You could say, I don't know, like he built that from nothing. I know Georgia was pretty established. And guys like Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, that was the same thing. Quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, head coach. All three of those were promotions, two of them promotions from within another one without any head coaching experience. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I think what Jim Harbaugh said was one of these, like, it was a Harbaugh idiom. You know, he said it to take a shot and, you know, to, to troll Ryan Day and Michigan fans ate it up. You know, they can't stop, you know, bringing it to him. That's his nickname now in, in, in third base. And so, you know, and then trying to apply it to Sharon Moore. It's just like when Harbaugh said, who's got it better than us? Well, for the first eight years, there were other teams. And in fact, when he was saying it, there you might have been able to pick like 10 teams that had it better than us. This year, actually, nobody did have it better than us. So, you know, well, he, he finally rang the bell on that. But, you know, you can't take these Harbaugh idioms. You can you can take a coach with a uh, coordinator experience. Look at look at uh, Jerry Jim's brother, John. Was he a head coach before he got the the job at at the Baltimore Ravens? Was he even a coordinator? I believe it was uh, I believe he was a special teams coordinator, but that, special I, teams coordinator, not okay, not a defensive coordinator, offensive right. coordinator. He was a special right. teams a, a coordinator. All right, yeah. So that was a great hire. Uh, hey, you can, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, remember Corker at Miami of Florida. 
Larry Coker. Yeah. Larry Coker from uh, um, uh, Miami. I don't believe he had uh, past experience as a head coach. Uh, and, um, you know, he took a program that was pretty solidified. And, you know, when you sit there and compare third base to Sharon Moore, night and day, in my opinion. First of all, um, third base never had to go on the field losing his head coach for three games and losing his head coach the night before the game. There are so many things that could have went wrong in those three games with Sharon Moore that we're not talking about third base for Sharon Moore anymore if, if something goes wrong. He's got he some had, head coaching experience, your point. I'm sorry? He's got some head coaching experience is what your point is here. My huh? point is he went through the uh, uh, the gauntlet. I mean, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State, anything could go wrong in those games. And um, and, and here's a good one. There, That's that's right, uh, Shady. Bob Stoops. Shady no. is saying that Bob Stoops is out there and has a uh, home run or has a uh, head coaching experience. And now you have experience with the Stoops. And absolutely. Absolutely. How old is Bob? So are we talking about Bob Stoops? Is, you know, Bob Stoops is Bob Stoops now, isn't he? No, he's 64. He's two years older than me. Okay. And, um, and uh, remember, Bob Stoops in the second year won the national title. And he had Mike Stoops as his uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, you could say the same thing about Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops had no head coaching experience. Can, uh, they gobble him up at Kentucky. And and look at the job he's done at Kentucky. There's, you know, they, you know, two people have won at Kentucky, Bear Bryant and Mark Stoops. And so, you know, in my was opinion, Gary Moeller, was Gary Moeller a, a good uh, a, a good Michigan football head coach to succeed Bo Schembechler? My opinion, good? my opinion, Gary Moeller was the hardest working coach. God rest his soul, the hardest working coach I'd ever been in contact with. I, the guy ate, slept, drank, lived football 24-7 all the time. And I remember one thing he told me. Um, he said, Jerry, you know, when you're going into coaching, you can't love coaching. You can't love football. It's not about love of football. Everybody loves football. It's this desire where you can't live without it, that it's got to consume every aspect of your life at that level. And Gary was at Illinois he was a former head coach. Right. That's, so that's the one. He, that's the part. He there. did bring. He did go through the ranks with Bo. He did. And when he took over, I think he was more than ready. And, and I don't think the Illinois experience was necessarily what got him ready, as much as it was all the responsibility that Bo gave Gary. Remember, Gary was. So a I guess, no, go ahead, Jerry. Sorry, I was. Gary, Gary was a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, co uh, quarterbacks coach. Linebackers. So he's had those experiences. And, and, you know, Sharon Moore, offensive line coach. I'm going to tell you right now, Denny, you know, I'm an old offensive lineman. So you guys can beat me up all you want, but the game's won up front, first and foremost. You better be able to win up front. So Sharon Moore's got that on his resume. Number one. Number two, he's offensive coordinator. And, you know, you have an offensive line coach being your offensive coordinator. Uh, you know where his emphasis is, running the football. And, and I think he's done a phenomenal job with that. And interim head coach for three, two top ten teams and one of the best offenses in the country, that, that's that's kind of gaudy. You know, I kind of see if you're a, uh, a, a Michigan man and you look and, and you look at Bo, you know what he did, uh, the cradle of coaches in Miami, Ohio, and, you know, they, it worked. And then Gary Moeller, you know, you just went through his bio. He did have those a uh, couple years at Illinois, you know, when they went to Rodriguez, they went to Hoke who was a Michigan man, you know, he had success somewhere else. So looking at it, you know, this is one of those things because I think Harbaugh, you know, said it. I, uh, I hear what you're saying when it comes down to that. Here was somebody talking about, you know, Sharon Moore, uh, oh, you know, saying that, you know, Moore's got a little Bob Stoops in him yep. because yep. he, uh, you know, yep. has that experience. Shadyville yes. likes Moore's charisma. And I got to say about Sharon Moore's charisma as well, I don't know if it's something that 
you know, so it, it must be something that you can work on. But some people have it in they just they command a room. They and part of it is knowing how to speak and you know having charisma and a twinkle in your eye, whatever it is. But Sharon Moore definitely has that. And I can think I when people say, Boy, he really connects with recruits. I mean, you have to really when you talk to recruits or you talk to people that are in recruiting and they talk about Sharon Moore, they say, Man, this guy's got it when it comes down to recruiting. Well, he's got it. I remember the first news conference that he went up there, I listened to him. I'm like, this guy's gonna be a future head coach. I could tell in two minutes uh, up there. He knows how to command a room. And I think he knows how to command. You got to be a general. And I think he can command, you know, the, uh, and be a CEO. I, I've seen that with him from, uh, from day one. I remember when I saw Mike Sainra still the first time he was interviewed, and this is just a player. And this was before, you know, he was, uh, you know, agent zero and, you know, one of the great Michigan football players of all time, national champ, captain and all that. I listened to him for one minute. I'm like, this guy commands the room. This guy's got that charisma. So I've, I've always thought that about Sharon Moore myself. So I, I think he is ready. But, Jerry, what a point that what he's had to go through this year. You know, and some of that, you know, the offensive line, uh, he was he went for it on a lot of these fourth downs. When you talk about game management and what you got to do with the clock and what you have to do when you're going for it, until you get into that, what he did at Penn State and Maryland, you know, and even before you get to Ohio State, those were pressure cookers, all those different plays. He was going for it left and right on fourth down. He ran the ball nonstop, you know, against everybody's wishes uh, that were watching, saying that this is going to be the death of Michigan. And it worked for him. What a job he did. How many how many teams have come out with seven <laughs> offensive linemen on the field at the same time with two tight ends, you know, with a tight end and a, uh, a fullback and just pound uh, uh, pound you? Third, you know, 30-plus runs in the uh, um, second part of the game against Penn State at Penn State. I mean, that's gutsy. That, that's a coach right there. I, I, you know, I don't care. He, he's not the head coach. It, it's not fair because he had all help. When you're in the heat of the battle, those are the, the decisions that have to be made by a head coach. And he made those decisions, and they were very rewarding. And – um I gotta, I, I gotta tell you, if I'm a defensive coordinator, put it where would have put the fear of God into me to see seven offensive linemen march out there with uh, Corum and and uh, Bredesen in front of them. It, it just that, that was unbelievable what he did. It, that that innovation and um, you know that that that's what head coaches are made for. You hit the nail on the head, Denny. He's going to be a head coach somewhere, some way, someday. There's no question about that. That's a fundamental. Um, if 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 Harbaugh leaves, if Jim leaves, I think he's earned it. But um, you know, again, we're speculating on if Jim leaves in the first place. I'm right. worried. To be honest with you, I'm kind of concerned with losing more when Harbaugh stays. I, I hope we have somebody in place there for that that uh, position because uh, of of what great a job he did all year. I agree with you. I think the same thing can be said about Jesse Minter. The, the, oh. the Ravens have another coordinator that is sitting there. You know, Steve Klinkscale, who's co-defensive coordinator. You know, he's the logical choice, and he has watched. You know, for these last couple of years, you know, this defense. I would think that you know Klink would be ready to, you know, uh, slide in there and and Youngstown guy. He's got to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And I mean, if, if, you know, he hadn't seen this defense ever and certainly he'd have his own, you know, wrinkles and things like that, but I would think he would, you know, it reminds me a little bit with Sharon Moore was that last year, even the year before, like, you know, so he was co-offensive coordinator, like, and I thought Harbaugh was just giving those titles kind of just to give them. It, it felt like Matt Weiss was the one that was calling the, the place. I know they said it was collaborative, and I believe that it was collaborative during the week, but I don't feel myself that it was collaborative during the game. It just didn't make any sense. It didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. But, you know, they were adamant that that was the case. But everybody was like, no, it's really uh, it's really Matt Weiss. Well, then, it, you know, it was Sharon Moore this year. He absolutely was calling uh, the plays. We say, well, Harbaugh would bend in his ear. Well, then when they got to the, the tough part of the schedule, Penn State, and, you know, they had to go through Maryland, and then they had to play Ohio State. You know, that, that was Sharon Moore was the head coach 
and the offensive coordinator of those things. So, you know, he gets and the offensive line coach. <laughs> so he gets a couple, uh, maybe he should have got a little extra bonus, you know, when it came down to that. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think he's, he did a phenomenal job. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. All three games were pivotal on plays. And I think he made, uh, uh, I think he made all uh, the right decisions. Jerry, the the news out of Columbus, Ohio State, they're not just sitting back and, you know, crying about losing three games uh, in a row to Michigan. I mean, they're they're mad, but they're spending money uh, hand over fist like, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, near do wells that they are. You know, you give them money, they'll spend it before the sun goes down or comes up, I guess, in their case. That's how they're acting. And then they went out there and they hired Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien, who's at Alabama, was the Texans head coach, Penn State head coach. Uh, what do you think of the hire for the Buckeyes with O'Brien? Well, you know, what is O'Brien, what is his philosophy going to be come into Ohio State? Is he going to be more on the third base side where it's a little bit more open? Remember, I, I'm not buying the fact that third base tried to upgrade or toughen his team this year uh, by running the ball. Again, I'm going back to recruiting. You recruit those types of players. You don't, you don't just magically say, we're going to run the ball today when we have recruits that were recruited to throw the ball. So that, number one, what is his philosophy going to be? Is he going to be more of a run-oriented, uh, um, uh, complement offense, or is he going to expand on – third base's uh, uh, philosophy of throwing the ball and, and going after those recruits. And that's going to impact their recruiting. What are they going to recruit? That's going to tell me where they're going to go as far as their offense is concerned. Um, O'Brien, he's got, he, you, he has a wealth of knowledge. He has a wealth of experience. He, he's done a good job at, uh, at Houston and, and he was with uh, um, uh, Saban in Alabama. So, Obviously, he's got experience. He's, he brings a lot to the table. But the bottom line is, what is his philosophy going to be? And we're going to find out what his philosophy is going to be by who they recruit. And in my opinion, they're still recruiting those wide receivers, um, trying to go after those uh, five-star quarterbacks. Uh, I don't think they're securing what they need to secure to run the ball. Yeah, and I think Michigan's approach, it's, it's like they say in uh... – in business when whoever is getting, they say location, but they also say first in wins. That's something they say in, in, uh, in radio, they say that in business a lot and Michigan's first in on toughness and winning up front and Ohio state's direction was we're, you know, we're flying high and throwing the football, you know, we're going to go after those, those five stars. We're going to go after those five stars. We want those wide receivers. And that's why I think those star systems are very subjective. There, there's no science. If there was a science, we wouldn't be playing the games. Those five stars are very subjective. And in my opinion, the people that are going out with those, those star ratings are looking at those glamour positions, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, the big offensive linemen that are hard to get around, that take time to get around. So I think that's where the emphasis has been on those star systems. You look at Michigan – we're all we're routinely in the top 15, not top three, not top five, routinely top 15. And the reason, in my opinion, is they're not the, those star systems are not valuing the solid tight ends that we get, the offensive linemen we get, the running backs we get, um, the defensive line we get. So that's my opinion on the star system, and that's my opinion on Ohio State. That's what they've gone after. That's what they've chose to go after. That's their issue. I wish Michigan could get more five stars and, and guys that are rated even higher than they get. I wish it didn't have to be like this either-or thing because it's it's kind of like, would you rather be, you know, get all of these five stars, or would you like to concentrate on team-building and development. I was like, yeah, I'd like a little bit of both. So that's what I, that's my answer to it. I, I don't know, like, but stick to, you gotta, you know, play one side here. So, you know, Michigan's development and uh, team building. Now, 
can you do that without getting the, you know, the, the top tier talent? I mean, would JJ McCarthy have gone to Michigan before, you know, four years ago, three years ago and committed in if the, you know, the, the ground work was what it is right now in terms of NIL and all that. I mean, that, that's maybe that's going to be an argument for another day, but uh, you know, Harbaugh will come back with a plan and, you know, uh, you know, getting the top talent is always going to be part of it, but top talent that fits into the, the, the kind of team that you want to have. The system, the system. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, you, you, you can go after these five stars. If they don't fit the system, you, you're going to, you're going to have conflict. Yeah. That's why uh, I was hoping that, you know, okay, Michigan can follow that, but you know, maybe they should get in and, you know, maybe they should pay Underwood. Maybe they should pay Dante more. Maybe, and, you know, I don't know how, how it ended up. Michigan's got, Jaden Davis, who's not chopped liver. He'll be coming in as a freshman. He will be involved in spring ball. And Jerry, that gets us to our next uh, point here. And that is Michigan football in 2024. Does that start now? And You know, the, the winter conditioning and heading into spring ball it certainly does start in spring ball. There'll be a quarterback competition. I mentioned Davis, the uh, quarterback uh, out of Charlotte, North Carolina, that Michigan has a couple other QBs. They're waiting to hear if Jack Tuttle, the IU grad transfer, is going to get another year. He would be the most experienced quarterback on that list. Davis Warren uh, is also somebody that is in that quarterback room. And then the, the two sophomores from this year, Alex Orgy and Jaden Denegal. You know, when you think about all those signal callers and, and how you're looking at it, I mean, how how are you looking at it? Well, first of all, you know, I'm at the uh, hotel after the game, and and I saw so many uh, guys that hadn't played much this year. And, and man, I'm a, those guys are thinking about getting in those positions that those people are leaving in right now. They're they're already starting to think about I'm going to win that position. They're they're thinking about that the day after the game. Yeah, they're happy for for the win. They're they're happy to be national title. They're going to get their their their, uh, their their ring. But to a player that didn't see much action this year, they're thinking, I'm getting that position. Uh, it's my turn now. You know, just like Georgia did two years ago. We're going to, we're just, we're going to reload. We're not rebuilding. We're going to reload. Those kids were pretty much to it. Everyone I met, they're the same. They're, they're, they're thinking the same way. We're winning it again next year. I'm going to be in that position next year. I'm taking that position. And so, as far as the question, when does next year's football season start? With this money, with this many people leaving Michigan and moving on to the pros, that season started relatively quickly after the game. No question in my mind, because there's a lot of hungry players in that on that Michigan team that want to fill those positions that are being left behind. Yeah, I think about Tuttle, he's got the most experience. And, again, he'll either be coming back as a grad assistant or, heck, you know, he'll be coming back as the most experienced quarterback. He uh, he had more mobility than I thought coming in. He displayed that a little bit during the season, but certainly in the spring game. He also turned it over a lot. That was the same thing with Davis Warren. Pretty good arm, great story to have him in there, but he looked like he was turning it over too much, and, and that would – I don't know. Like, so from what I've seen of those guys, that's going to be a big question. Both Denigal and Orgy are interesting. Uh, Denigal, more of the, the pocket passer with a big, strong arm, but we also saw him lower his shoulder on a couple runs. I mean, he's a big dude that can run over some guys. And then Orgy, he throws a pretty nice uh, a football, but we have just seen him lowering his shoulder and we know he's, you know, built like a, a brick house. So, uh, from those guys. And then, I don't know, you know, Davis, he's more of a classic uh, from what I've seen in high school and the tape, he looks to be more of a, a classic pocket passer, but with no college experience. Let, let, let's not forget something, Denny. JJ was not recruited by Ohio. What's that? JJ was not recruited by Ohio. They took other quarterbacks over him. Yeah, he was recruited, but in the end, they they picked. Um, they picked. Uh, they picked over somebody him. over him. That's right. Okay, yeah. so and, and when you let, let's not kid ourselves, 
We didn't win because of J.J. McCarthy this year. Big part of the reason we won. But if you were to name why we won a national title this year, I don't think anybody's going to argue that our defense was top-notch and our top uh, was the top team in the country this year. Our defense side. So in my opinion, what we need to do is we need to secure that defense first and foremost. That is number one. Number two, you want to talk about quarterback. There is no real quarterback out there that's proven. You can say, sit there and talk about Dante Moore's on them. He hasn't proven himself. No, uh, the new guy. That's true. The, the new guy from Belleville. He hasn't proven himself. Okay. Right. So, yeah, right. No. Okay. We, we, we haven't, they're, they're not really anybody out there that's truly proven himself. I, and this is me, I saw one practice. I don't know anything. I like Denegal. Denegal is a young man from California, 6'5", what is he, 225, something like that. This kid has got a rocket arm. He he has mobility. He can run. And we, like you said, Denny, we saw him run people over. We also saw him thread some needles this year in crunch time. Uh, this is a good, good quarterback, and I'd like to see a little bit of emphasis on him. Uh, Orgy is a good quarterback. Uh, I think you're you're right about Tuttle, and, and so I think we have some quarterbacks in the in the uh, pipeline. I don't think we should be spending our resources and our time going after. I think we need to secure that defense and make sure our defense is in the top three again next year. That's what I think our emphasis has got to be, and then our offensive line. Jaden Denegal on the Michigan football 23 roster is listed at six foot five, 235 pounds out of Apple Valley. How many times did we see opportunities for J.J. to run the ball, but we didn't run the ball because of – a fear that he was going to get injured. And, yeah, and most, think, most of the first half of the season, that was. Well, the, I would say even 75, 80% of the season. Yeah. I, I really, I think he ran a couple times at Penn State that loosened him up, but I don't think it was a, a huge game plan to do that. I think Denegal is a kid where you can put him in that position where he can run the ball. And, and I like what he offers, what he brings to the table as far as his strength, his arm. You know, Danny, like I said, I saw one practice, yeah. one practice. It was a very intense practice. It was one of the last scrimmages before the season. And I saw J.J. on one team and Denigo on the other team. Now, J.J. had problems because he had Graham in his face the whole time. He didn't have Zenner out there. He had Graham, and I think Grant was in his face the whole time. And Denigo was on the other team. And maybe he didn't get quite the brush that uh, J.J. was giving him. But I saw Denigo. And I thought, in my opinion, that one day, Denegal actually outplayed J.J. Now, again, personnel changes all that, okay? Changes all that. But I saw one day, and I, li I like this kid. I like Jaden Denegal, and I think we've got other ones. But my, my thing is, first and foremost, we need to solidify some other uh, areas of this team if we want to repeat. I like this kind of conversation, you know, like uh... – it's, let's talk quarterbacks. They're like, no, I got to get the defense. And now here's Richard saying, how about both sides of the line here Absolutely. in the trenches? Well, you know, Richard, here's the deal. We we do have some great defensive linemen coming back. I'm a little bit concerned with our edges. Stewart needs to be secured. No question about that. He needs he said to be he's back. He said, uh, when was this? Uh, last week sometime. Oh, I thought I thought he was still out there. Okay, great. Guys, Stewart says he is back. He says okay. he is back. Fantastic. That is, you know what? That's the thing. He doesn't get. You know, you hear Donovan Edwards is coming back. You hear some of these other guys coming back. I didn't hear about Stewart, and I've been following pretty decently. I don't know me how I missed it. I don't don't know. But Stewart is a huge, huge key to our success next year. I mean, what he did to that right tackle in the Alabama game. Put Milrow on his back. I mean, he drove that right tackle, a five-star uh, recruit, into the, uh, Milrow's lap on the goal line. That kid's a stud. He needs to be secure. Um, our defenses need to be secured, and our offensive line needs to be uh, um, uh, addressed, in my opinion.
you get a good you get a good offensive line, and I and I do believe we have some some returners uh, coming back that didn't see the action this year that um, they would have seen with other teams. And I and I think we have some really good fine offensive linemen in the uh, in the cupboard, ready to step in. Yeah, I you know the first thing we've got to see, and I guess we could say uh, they're dominoes. We've got to see if Harbaugh is going to be the you know the cook or not here for for next year, and then Michigan has taken their you know like I think the the common thing, and I even said it my I've said it myself like they'll they'll have these guys compete in spring, and if they think that there's another quarterback out there. Well, then maybe they'll, you know, they'll they'll look into the transfer portal. But we do have to remember that that Harbaugh said that they're taking spring ball and they're moving it back a month because of how far, you know, they went in the college football playoffs again. That seemed like a smart move. Well, my guess is without having all of the times of all the spring games of all the teams, that everybody else is going to be playing spring football before Michigan. So the idea that you can go through spring ball to see if these guys are ready and then wait afterwards. Might not be the case. They'll be doing a lot of scouting of um, these spring games where they could go and watch them. <laughs> I'm not saying scouting. I don't know if they're going to be bringing whatever. I got to guess I have to watch how I say scouting. They'll be doing some. They'll be looking at these uh, these other QBs and see that maybe that could be uh, you know something. Great stuff, Jerry. Uh, I've got one other thing for you if you'll allow me here. It has been. It was over 30 years since Michigan or since the Detroit Lions won a playoff game. Last Sunday night was one of the most intense football games I've ever watched with the Lions uh, beating the Rams by one point. From start to finish, that was a hold your breath, intense kind of game. Uh, amazing crowd, great performance there by the Lions. Full credit. I'm not used to saying that, so I'll, you know, be tripping up here talking about the Lions. But they, uh, it ends up working out for them now, Jerry, because you know there, it was Dallas and the whole thing that happened with the two point conversion, and they got screwed. Well, Dallas loses, and now the Lions get a second home playoff game, and they're a big fat favorite against Tampa. So I don't know how are you feeling about the Lions. Let me say it slow. How are you feeling about the Lions' chances to get to the NFC Championship game? Under first-time head coach Dan Campbell, very good. How's that answer, Denny? <laughs> that goes back to what we were talking about. How's that answer, Denny? Yeah. Um, right. No, I, I think um, I think the Lions are in, uh, sitting in a very good position uh, to go to the NFC Championship. Uh, I thought they would win the uh, division. Uh, their division uh, um, way back when. I didn't realize the North Division was going to be as strong as it is. Uh, you know, you. I'm sorry, you got a smile on your face. Well, I'm, I'm smiling well, because the, actually the when it clear, was the North, Tampa Bay was actually in the North with them. It's the Central now, but they're playing their old North uh, rivals in Tampa Bay. So that's where the smile came from. You know, you know, the, Denny, the, you know LeFleur has probably done the best coaching job he's ever done in Green Bay. Uh, this year with this team. And so uh, that division, the Lions winning that division is, it was huge. I mean, that was, that was no giving. And uh, they're, they're, they're a great football. When you look at the Lions, they're, they're, it's not a, um, a feel good story. This is a good football team. And this is a good football team that has been built over the last couple of years in the draft. Um, great running backs, great, great defensive line. Uh, linebackers, uh, great offensive line. I'll tell you what, we're, we're probably looking at one or two in the offensive line category. Uh, Jared Goff has had a phenomenal uh, last couple of years. And so the, and the receivers, a lot of, a lot of receivers to pick from. And, and so the lines, that's not a gimmick. This is a, this is a solid football team. And yeah, I believe every every bit that they're going to be in the uh, NFC Championship, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if they're uh, playing a couple weeks later. You know, I thought something that was encouraging. You know, I agree. I mean, the, the Lions are at home; they beat them during the regular season. The way that crowd, you know, the, jacked them up. The way they can play against the run. I mean, like it feels like they're in a great spot here to get to the NFC Championship game. I was looking at something from uh, from Warren Sharp today who talked about the Packers' ability to, to run the football on the outside zone and the, the stats for San Francisco. They allowed 
over five yards per carry, which was 31st in the NFL on outside zone runs. They were 31st in uh, expected uh, uh, rushing yardage out there, 27th in success rate, 31st in explosive run rate, uh, 32nd, that's dead last, in 3.6 yards after contact. Uh, contact. That is all, uh, you know, you think the 49ers would be like number one in those things, not where you're talking about the outside zone and with what they have with um, – with Aaron Jones right now, that seems like it plays right into the Packers' hands. I'm saying all that. I thought that's just one stat, but th- Denny, I think maybe they could give him. Maybe they can give him more than we're thinking about. Denny, it's hard to get uh, uh, defensive ends to play to get a pass rush and then also play to run. You know what they always used to say, Denny? You don't. You run at speed. You run at speed, and so Warren Sapp's pretty uh, knowledgeable. About but what goes on upstairs. Uh, this, is, this is, I know it's close. This is Warren Sharp. I want to listen it's to him. It's 40 seconds. Let's see if he's, if I'm getting this right or now not. Now they're going to get one in the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers are going to have to come out here aggressively. Now they're going to have to run the ball a little bit early in this game because they need some balance. They can't just have Love step back to pass over and over again. And I think if they use outside zone, they may have some success here. Look at some of the stats. The 49ers this year versus outside zone ranked 31st in yards per carry allowed, 31st in EPA per rush, and 31st in explosive run rate. And when Aaron Jones is on the field running the football, the Green Bay Packers use 43% outside zone rate. They call it at a very high rate, whereas when it was – A.J. Dillon, only 29% of the time, where they calling outside zone. So they're going to need to call more outside zone runs. They can have success. The 49ers have gone up against a lot of offenses that have not really utilized outside zone concepts very frequently. Now they're going to get one in the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers are going to have to come out here aggressively now. All right. They're going to have to run the ball a little. All right, Jerry. I mean, that's what I was looking at. So it, it does sound like that's what he's saying, that the 49ers have not had much success against that outside zone, something that the Packers are going to throw at them. And- Excuse nope. me, Denny. I thought you said Warren Sapp, but uh, Warren no, Sapp and, and Warren Sharp are very close. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's absolutely he's absolutely right. I mean, when, when you look at the 49ers, they've got great edge rushers, but um, sometimes edge rushers don't equate to run stoppers. And, and uh, you got the Packers. Uh, Jones has been uh, he he was phenomenal against Dallas. I mean, I, I you know think about it, Denny. They're running the ball in the fourth quarter, third uh, third quarter. They're running the ball. Everybody and their brother knows they're running the ball, and they're still picking up six, seven, eight yards per carry, uh, busting them. And so this is a good running team. And um, yeah, if they would have started, if the Packers would have started the season like this, and you know we were talking like six, seven weeks into the season, we're like, man, the Packers look great, and you know Jordan Love looks great. And they just came on at the end of the season, and Jones had been hurt most of the season, and he looks as fresh and as he looks as good as he ever has. So I don't know. So. I am picking the the Packers to keep it within three points against San Francisco. That's and I am taking the the Lions to get to the NFC Championship game. I also think that they're going to um, just win by a smaller margin than what that that spread says. I like the dogs this week. I also like the I also like the Texans to get in there, and I also like the Chiefs. To uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs outright against the Bills. So those are my picks. So I like all of the dogs this week. However, I think the Lions and the 49ers will prevail. I'm going to go with the favorites all the way around, Denny. I like Baltimore. All the way around. I, I, I like Baltimore. I think uh, their their team is uh, it, that's a hard team to beat right now. Their their defense is flying around, playing outstanding. You got great personnel. And you're laying the points here too, like you're you're giving up oh, nine and a half we're, we're, points. Jesus, Danny, what is the spread on the uh, on nine these and a half for the nine, for the Ravens? Nine and a half, ten. So that's what I'm saying. Like, all right, I'm going to go with uh, I'll go with uh, Texans to cover. How yeah, about see, the other you're, one? You're with me. How nine about the Bills? Half, nine and a half. Uh, oh, the 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 Bills. That's two and a half. I'm I'm going to jump up and get you the the current lines. I'm I'm going to go with the Bills on that one. They'll win by a field goal. Win by a field goal. And let's see, the Packers are also getting nine and a half points. I'm going to take the pack. See, there you go. The stadium. So you like some of these dogs. You're like me. And do you think the Lions will cover six and a half? Yes. There it is. All right, Jerry, is there anything that we did not cover? We talked a lot about what we were going to talk about, and I think we covered it all. 
Next week, Denny, we're going to talk. A, I, I want to talk a little bit about way college football is evolving. Uh, Nick Saban leaving and, and what's going down in Alabama um, is really indicative of what's going to ha- what, what's happening in, in college football. I, I, I think that uh, I think I, I think Nick Saban uh, seeing the writing on the wall. His, his team is not prepared to um, to match all these other teams financially. And, and, um, and I'm not calling him out as far as being um, get, try and get out. And he's already done a phenomenal job. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. He's one of the greatest coaches that's ever played, but I think it's very uh, interesting that he's getting out now and the, these kids are leaving and, and you're going to, and you're, you're getting rumors that Alabama doesn't have the finances that other teams do. I look forward to that. Jerry, you're very interesting, and we appreciate all of your knowledge today. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games, and hopefully we're talking about the Lions actually being in the final four of the NFL playoffs, which would mean they would be in the NFC Championship game. Heck, hopefully the Packers win and the Lions would host another game. Wow, well, that would be something. Hail to the victors, Denny. There he is, Jerry Diario. Thanks for watching.